0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Walking Closer podcast. This is episode 101, which I've titled Actually Living by Faith. And so, if you happen to have just stumbled across this episode, or if you haven't listened to it, you know, this podcast in a while, and you missed the last series, and this is the one that you're starting with, I strongly encourage you to review the previous series. Um, challenging perspective series. This is a, there's a lot of information within that series that helps to explain some things that this episode is based on. So, if after listening to this episode you feel like there are some gaps, those gaps will probably be filled through listening to the previous series on challenging perspectives. It was a 10-part series that included parts of the cultural and social norms of the Bible that helps to understand, helps us to understand the context in which the concepts of faith and grace were used and understood. It was this ancient system in which people lived and functioned, and the New Testament used that system to describe God, God's relationship with the world, and the world's relationship to God. It's uh, it's what we call the patronage system where you had these relationships between patrons and clients that was described with the terms grace and faith. And that's really what the series is all about. And I think it's a a fascinating study and really opens up the biblical world, and especially with the New Testament. And I think it helps us to better understand what's actually going on in in the text and how people of the text understood things. And so this episode, titled actually living by faith, uh, so obviously I want to talk a bit about what that looks like for us today. Uh, while while we don't necessarily live in a patron-client-driven society, the concepts of faith and grace are core terms used in Christianity, and so it only makes sense that we understand how they apply to us today, and that's what we're going to do in this episode. So let's let's get started. If we're going to understand what it means to live by faith today, we, we need to make sure we keep in the forefront of our minds how the term faith was used in the New Testament times. See, the idea of faith carried with it the concepts of dependability and trust and loyalty. It, it was like saying, listen, I'm going to stick by your side no matter what. That's faith right there. That is what faith is. Today, we, we might just use the word trust um, and understand that these other things are a part, part of that. Although I do still think that the the two word, the three words, dependability, trust, and loyalty, are the best way to round out and to grasp what faith is, what it was in the New Testament, and what it, what it should be to us today. But today, I think I think the word faith might be used or defined in lots of different lots of different ways. Uh, I think lots of people might have different ideas of what faith is or what they think about when it comes to faith. The the term faith is used to represent lots of different things. Uh, In some circles, I think faith refers to a list of things we can go along with or or believe in, like a list of doctrinal statements, right? For some, faith might be just a mental state. They have either forced themselves to adopt or feel like others have forced them to adopt, You know, based on their raising, their upbringing, their history, etc., uh, it's like they have decided that this is what they're going to believe or see as correct or right, and, well, that's the headspace they stay in. And, and, and they may may have no real good reason to actually believe or see some of those things as being correct. And then for some faith, it's just simply about you know having the right answers, like, like there's going to be some quiz. <laughs> Regardless of, of what they actually believe or entrust themselves to, they have the right answers, right? Uh, they, they have the answers they believe they're supposed to have. It's like it's like having the right answer on a test, but neither the question nor the answer have any impact or real meaning to the person who's taking the test, right? So when I look at all of these things, and there's, there's lots of other ways in which the term, I think, faith, the modern use of the term faith is, uh, can be defined or described, regardless, my question is, if any of these are correct, then what does it look to live by faith? And I gotta say, I don't see it as being possible—at least not according to what I see in the biblical text, which is where, by the way, we grasp the idea of faith. And so, if what I'm thinking faith is, and then what I see, how I see it unfold in Scripture, uh, there, there's a disconnect. And you know, something has to change here. So, so how should we be looking at faith? And then then what what does it look like to actually live by faith? So in order to do this, I want to refer to the New Testament letter called Hebrews. And real quickly, you essentially have the first 10 chapters where the writer exalts Jesus for who he is, reminding the recipients of this letter um, why they decided to follow him in the first place. See, there are people who seem to be wanting to reverse that decision. They wanted to go back to following the, it seems to be, the Jewish traditions that they had. They have been raised in. Um, things have happened. There's reasons why they're doubting. There's reasons why they're wanting to let go of um, this thing that they've embraced, and they want to just revert back to what they were doing before, and... Um, Then, so he goes through the first 10 chapters, and this is what he's explaining. He's exalting Jesus and basically reminding them why they made the decision in the first place. And he uses things that were fitting for them, things that mattered to them. And then in chapter 10, in verse 36, the writer tells them that you have need of perseverance. And then what follows is this quote from Habakkuk, or Habakkuk depending on how you want to say it. I may not even said that right, but this quote, regardless, doesn't matter. This quote uh, says, the righteous one or my righteous one will live by faith. And then the writer begins to show them what this actually looks like. And that's what takes us to chapter 11, where we first have a description of the nature of faith. And that's Hebrews 11.1, which says, Now, faith is the substance, and some of your translations might say the confidence of things hoped for, the evidence. And again, some of your translations might translate this word assurance of things not seen. Now, really quickly, let's just kind of break this verse down, define some terms here so we can better understand what's actually being said, and maybe maybe look at a way in which, if we're not careful, we might read this verse and come away with uh, some things that, well, aren't faith at all. So, now faith is the substance, this word substance here that sometimes can be translated confidence. Uh, This word substance here has to do with placing under something. Something is being placed under something else. We're talking about a foundation. We're talking about a substructure. We're talking about something that is tangible, something you can stand on, something that could support something else. Now, faith is the foundation. It is the substructure. It is the thing that is placed under something else. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word hope here means anticipation and expectation. It's not a wish. It's not the way we typically use the word hope, which is, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope my vehicle starts. I hope I get paid on time. I hope she likes it. Um, Or I I hope that, you know, he likes me or uh, all the other ways in which we can, can, you know, we can use the word hope, which really kind of balls down to the idea of a wish because we don't really know. We're really not sure. Not sure if we even have good reason to believe that, that it will be the case. That's not the way that this word is used here. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped, the idea of anticipation, expectation. In other words, your faith is the substructure, is the foundation, is the thing that is placed underneath something upon which you stand, and that is the things you hoped for. In other words, your anticipation, the things that you expect— or founded, or based on something. What are they based on? Your faith, your which is the foundation. It is the evidence. It is the uh, it is the 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 substructure. Right now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. And again, some of your translations might say uh, assurance of things not seen, and that's a word that's interesting because it literally means that by which a thing is proved or tested that by which a thing is proved or tested or conviction okay so think of this it's think of think of this this term evidence is like all the individual particular things put together that ultimately lead to a certain conclusion imagine being in a court of law and evidence is being Presented. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, those particular things that are being presented, of the things not seen. Those particular things that are being presented are the things that point to, that lead to certain conclusions or being convicted of something. Now, faith... Yes, this is fascinating right now, faith is the placing under it is the thing that is placed under the other thing which is hope it is the foundation the substructure upon which you stand the reason why you have the the expectations and anticipations of what god is going to do how the world works how things function why you are who you are and do what you do when it comes to the idea of faith now faith is the Is the foundation, substructure of the things hoped for, the evidence, the particular things that lead to a certain conviction of some reality. Now, I find that absolutely fascinating and also contradictory to maybe how our modern-day usage of faith is today, especially in our culture here in the United States. So we have to be careful about how we read this, though. Because you might, depending on your translation as well, uh, you might uh, look at this in a way that gives this impression that faith is just a mental state, something something going on inside of you, like like simply just a mental choice you are making to consider something true in hopes that it is. and th- this actually makes hope more like a wish and <laughs> not like the term that the actual word uh, not, not like the actual how the actual word was used. I'll get more words out here in a moment. But it makes faith sound like it's only mental and and not based on any good reason. And this this reasoning, well, will will present to you some some major problems with the context of this chapter, like looking at this verse from this way. We'll present to you some major problems with the context of this chapter as you make yourself make your way through the remainder of this chapter. Because the writer will go on to primarily focus on behaviors and actions. We're talking about choices that people made as demonstrations of what it looks like to have faith and to live by faith. However, with all that being said, it doesn't mean that there isn't some mental process that is taking place, right? It's, in fact, I, I think. What is being expressed here is that faith, faith does begin in the mind with reason, but it's fulfilled or actually becomes faith through action. See, it's, it's not one or the other. It's not just a mental process, or an, and it's not just behavior. It's actually both, because one without the other, well, that just isn't faith. So let me show you, because this is what the Hebrew writer does. So look what he says. Now faith is the substance, the reality, the foundation. It's something that is tangible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the expectations and anticipations we have. And it is the evidence, the things, the reasons for the conviction of things not seen. It's not a mental state you have to get yourself into. It's an experience that you have. Like You you can actually point to things and say, there it is. This is the reason or the reasons why I trust or entrust myself to this. This is why I am doing this, why I have this outlook. You see, faith faith is both thinking and responding to good reasons. Like faith is, is being able to point to something and say, because of this or these things, this is what I am doing. And to believe and entrust, which is what the word believe here means, to believe and entrust your life to someone or something with with no good reason. Well, that's not faith. That's nuts. Like, as I've heard one person say it, that's stupid. Like, why would you do? I mean, who who does that? That is ill advised. To entrust your life, right, to someone or something with no good reason. Who would give that advice? Who would expect that? Who would want that? um that would not that's that's nuts that's what that is and faith is not just a mental state or a mental activity that you muster up it does begin in the mind there is a mental process we go through and it's a process we go through that helps us to determine if we have good reason it's a process that gives us something we can point to like this is what the first 10 chapters of hebrews was all about giving them, these people to whom this rhetoric this letter was written, it's giving them those things they could point to that gave them good reason and, and because of the things that they can point to, they can begin to make choices and through those choices they will have experiences because of those choices. And that's living by faith. That is what the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. And the writer goes on after this verse to give all sorts of examples of this very thing. And one of the examples that is used has to do with Abraham and Sarah. And I think that's very fitting because Abraham is looked upon, especially in the New Testament, as the father of the faith. He is used as an example of faith for both Jews and Gentiles throughout really the New Testament. Like Paul says in Romans 4.11, he is speaking of Abraham, the father of all who believe. Uh, he said it again in Galatians three seven: all those who have faith are children of Abraham. And then drop down to verse 9 in the same chapter, those who are of faith, we're talking about followers of Jesus, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, the New Testament does present Abraham as a reflection, as a demonstration of what it looks like to have faith and to live by faith. And all those who are of faith can compare themselves or are comparable to Abraham. And this is what it looks like. You want to know what this is about? Look at Abraham, right? Now, when it comes to why Abraham first left and journeyed to Canaan, we, we don't have insight into his process and the reasons why. We don't have all the details and the information that goes along with it. We don't know the mental process he went through to make the decisions that caused him to do the thing that he did. However, Hebrews 11.11 says this, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So let's get some of this stuff straight. Sarah is like in her late 80s, and she receives this promise that she's going to have a child. How does she respond? What does she do? Well, actually, she laughed. It wasn't just her. It was Abraham who laughed as well. Genesis 17, 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And then also in Genesis 18, verses 11 and 12, Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So my question to you is, was this initial response unrealistic? I would suggest no. It's very natural. Like... It's it. Why? How else would they necessarily respond? It's, it's not unrealistic. Um, Not on its own. I mean, they literally had something they can point to, that would give them, you know, cause them to come to this conclusion. the The thing that they can point to is the fact that they were old, right? But being old wasn't the only thing that they can point to, was it? No. Notice, notice what the Hebrew writer says. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. So she, at some point, she goes beyond just looking at her own age and her own condition, and she considers the one who made the promise. And in doing so, she considered him faithful. In other words, she goes through this mental process. She considers whether the one who made the promise is actually trustworthy. Is this something that she could bank on? Is this something that she can trust in? And ultimately, her conclusion was Yes. Now, think about it. God called them into this foreign land away from their family and security, right? They're in this land for a long time now, and God has provided for them with wealth and abundance that they've been taking care of up to this point. God has already been faithful to them. She has reason. She can point to something and say, here is my proof. Here is why I trust. Here's the reason for her to think that he will continue to fulfill his promises because he's done it. So far, here's the reason she has to trust. So she goes through this mental process, and at first she points to some things that are pretty obvious, and then she continues to think past that, thinks beyond that. And in doing so, well, that's faith, and that leads her to living by faith. And Abraham went through the same process as well. A couple of indications of this, and Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. Paul says, without becoming weak in faith, he, that is, that is Abraham, contemplated his own body. This is the very same thing we just talked about, right? He's thinking through this stuff. Now, as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, right? They have reasons to point to, be like, yeah, I'm not sure about this. Yet, with respect to the promise of God right he had something to point to he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith giving glory to god it doesn't mean that there wasn't a struggle it doesn't mean that there weren't necessarily reasons presenting themselves that could potentially lead him to unbelief to not trust to not entrust himself to god in this process but ultimately because he could point to something look at verse 21 and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, he was able to turn out and point to some very specific things that ultimately caused him to dismiss just simply the fact that he was old, even though he may not have understood how it could be possible. He had plenty of things, plenty of good reasons To point to, and that mental process led him to those conclusions, those things he could point to. And as a result, he took those things and he acted on them, right? He was fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform, and that's what led him to living by faith. Now, here's the thing. If he would have just thought through the process and not done anything, would that be faith? No, it was a mental process, and that's it. That's all it was. Like, literally, that's all it would have been. He contemplated this, but did nothing about it. Um, so, so faith is not just the mental process. It is—we could say it maybe this way. Like, faith is fully matured when in action, when it leads to doing something. And I would suggest before that, it's just maybe information or facts that you— have put in the place of faith. Faith is a mental process that we go through that allows us to see the things, the good reasons that we can point to, that based on those things, we can make a choice. And in making the choice based on the good reasons, we live by it, we live in it. That's living, that's living by faith. And then the Hebrew writer goes on actually to say that People like Abraham and Sarah and, and others are, are some of the things that we can look back on and, and point to as reasons. They are eyewitness testimonies to us, which leads you to chapter 12, which talks about being surrounded by the, such, such as this great cloud of, of witnesses. Now, we can look at the same thing, right, and reflect how, how faith is... Action that began by thinking it through as to whether the one calling me to action is trustworthy, and if he is, I act in faith. That was the story of Abraham and Sarah. Now, does it mean that they were perfect? Well, no, right? Abraham and Sarah demonstrates the struggles that we also have when it comes to faith. Like literally, think about it. The reality of the mental process we have to go through within itself can demonstrate the struggles we also go through when it comes to trusting an action, right? When it comes to acting on the trust. Now remember how the term faith was used in New Testament times? We're talking about dependability, trust, loyalty. Looking back, questioning, is this person dependable? Is this being dependable? Can I depend on them? Can they depend on me? Can I trust in what they say? Can they trust me? And if so, what's the loyalty look like? Right? All three of those things paint a certain picture, things that you can ultimately can or cannot point to, right? And you can say you—here's you, you here's the other thing. You can say that you depend, that you trust, and that you are loyal to someone, to something, whatever it is. But the reality is, you are not any of those things until you actually depend, until you actually entrust, until you actually display that loyalty in some way. You could say it all day long, but at the end of the day, until you're in the moment where you actually depend, actually entrust, and actually display that loyalty, well, they're just words. Which is why James says, faith without works read action is dead right we see the word works and we get all worked up like just take the word works out and put action faith without action is dead in other words it's just not faith that's not what faith is because faith true faith actual faith is trust and loyalty and dependability and living by that right like that's It's something that it it goes with the mental process and the actions. It's, it's, It's both of those things put together. That's what faith is. So then from my understanding, faith is not just ideas and concepts. It's palatable. It's experiential. It's a process that starts in the mind and includes good reason that leads to choices and because of those choices we have experiences that's that's hebrews 11 that's what it looks like to actually live by